Good morning, church. As we come off of this time of worship and we go into communion, uh, we are celebrating Jesus' complete and full redemption for us. We started a mini-series on the seven ways that Jesus bled for our atonement. Um, Leviticus chapter 17, 11 says, It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. And so when we see how Jesus bled for us, we were seeing how Jesus was completing our full redemption and atonement that we could be fully alive in him. And so this is our fourth week talking about this aspect of, of communion. And uh, I want to look at the crown of thorns specifically. In Luke 19, 2, it says, And the soldiers twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put on him a purple robe. And when they put that crown of thorns on his head and pressed it down, you know, we know those thorns penetrated his, his brow, his head, and he started to bleed because of that crown of thorns. And I want to share with you the significance of that crown of thorns, that Jesus took on the curse so that you and I could be set free and be prosperous in him. It all started back in the garden in Genesis chapter 3, when we came into a garden that was full and lavish with everything that we needed. God provided everything for us and we were prosperous, we were rich, we had everything we needed until sin. And when we sinned, we really basically cut off the provision of God by saying, we're gonna be self-sufficient now. We wanna be our own God. And we were kicked out of the garden and we began to be experiencing how hard it is for mankind to live life without God. I shouldn't even say it's hard. I should just simply say it's impossible. It's impossible. We were never meant to, to survive without God. We can't. And so this is what God said in Genesis chapter 3 to Adam. He says to Adam, he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. And so we see the very beginning, the thorns and thistles that Jesus wore in the shape of a crown was part of this curse from our independence from God. And so we can celebrate today as 2 Corinthians 8, 9, Paul tells us, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is the grace of God that has saved us. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through your poverty, may become rich. Jesus took our poverty, our curse upon himself when he wore that crown of thorns so we could be restored with a crown of glory, with his riches, with his prosperity, because we return to heaven. We return to our home in our trusting of God. And when we trust in God instead of trusting in ourselves, then all the blessings and favor of God is restored to us. Isn't that good news today? I just want to reassure you as we take communion that you are blessed because Jesus wore that crown of thorns for us so we could wear the crown of glory. You are a child of God. You're a son of God, a daughter of the King. You have everything that you need to do what God's called you to do. And we inherit all of those promises of God by faith in Him. So today, reject generational curses off of your life from family lines of addictions, a divorce, suicide, any strings of curses that have been existing in your family. You can break those curses in Jesus' name because God is for you. 
He took that curse upon himself so you could be blessed, you could be rich, you could be prosperous in every way that you'll never lack anything as a son or daughter of God. Can I get an amen on that? And so that's our prayer today as we take communion, that God would release his blessings into our hearts, change our minds about our status, that we are sons and daughters of the King. We have everything we need to do what God has called us to do. Lord, as we come to you this morning, we celebrate the full and complete redemption that you have purchased for us by your blood. Specifically, thank you, Lord, for taking the curse of the crown of thorns upon you so that you could restore to us the image of God, the crown of glory, that we are sons and daughters of you. We lack nothing in you. And so, Lord, we take today receiving your blessing in your favor, breaking all generational curses in Jesus' name and setting us free and our children and our children's children and our children's children's children in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take together and receive the blessings of God. Amen. God bless you. You are blessed and it's good to be together today with you. Hey, it's good to be together again. And today, before we get into our message, I just want to encourage you again to say hi to somebody that's watching. Let's continue to develop our community and uh, create a, a great environment this morning as we spend some minutes together worshiping and learning and growing. Uh, so say hi to somebody and also share this with uh, your contacts so we can have other people join us in the next few minutes. Share us, like us, follow us so we can just continue to add uh, more people to this movement uh, of the Lamb of God family and friends. And everybody is welcome. I just want to say God bless you. It's good to see everybody. Hope you are doing well, that you are prospering in your body and prospering in your soul. And today I want to give us a message uh, to uh, encourage us to draw near to the presence of God and, and to learn how to rely on Him even more. In this time of you know, generally isolation that we're, we're sensing, uh, the social distancing and all that, it's been very clear to us that we need each other. We need this social interaction. But more than that, we need God. We need the presence of God in our lives. We need the Holy Spirit. And we are living in a time and a, uh, of human history where we can have the presence of God with us and in us. And it's incredible. So I want to encourage us to talk about and learn how to walk in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Um, I don't know about you, but for me, I feel like sometimes uh, I'm in, in this world, there's a gravitational pull um, that pulls me back from God. And, and I don't always recognize it. I don't, and it's not hardly ever a conscious decision of mine, but I can be walking with God. I can be in His peace. I can be fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit. And then all of a sudden, it's like life takes over and I get busy or I get preoccupied or um, maybe some pressures of life start to squeeze in on me. And it's not like I say, hey, God, I got this. Um, I don't need you. Um, I'm going to take over for a while, whether it's for five minutes or a couple of hours or for a couple of days. It's not like I decide to do that. But when I look back, all of a sudden I realize, wait a minute, I, I left God somewhere. I left my peace somewhere. I left the comfort of knowing he's with me and he's my answer. Have you ever felt that before? I feel like it's because we live in a world that's fallen and there's a gravitational pull on us towards self-sufficiency, 
towards independence from God. I mean, actually, we just talked about that. That's, that's the reason of our first sin. That was, uh, our decision was, hey, we don't really need God. We'll be God. We'll take care of ourselves. And there's just there's this gravitational pull that keeps pulling us away. And if we're not intentional about drawing near to God, if we're not purposely and consciously talking to God and pressing into God, then we're unconsciously drifting away because we live in that kind of a current. Last year, my family and I, we took a day to go to Caseville during the summer. And once in a while, we'd do something like that. We went to the beach. It was a nice sunny day. And they had huge waves. And so me and my kids were out there. We're just surfing the waves. You know, we're diving and beating them up and having a great time. Uh, They were so big that they were over top of Eli's head. And I remember I was carrying them out there. And it was was kind of a a dicey situation. I'm like, I got to hold on to you really good because, you know, these waves are pretty serious. But they were so much fun. So we're out there playing in these waves. And after about 15, 20 minutes, you know, I I looked towards the shoreline. And notice we had drifted down the shoreline about 200 yards from where we started. I feel like that's how it is, uh, you know, in our, in our relationship with God sometimes. When we're not intentional, when we're not pressing in, when we're not drawing into God, this world has a current and it's going in a d- direction away from God. You know what I mean? So we would fight our way back to kind of in alignment with the beach and we say, hey, we got to get down this way, guys. Come on over. And then we'd play for some more time and we'd look up and find ourselves adrifted again. And that's why it's so important for us, as the Bible says, to draw near to God. This is what Jesus says in John 14, 17. He says um, about the Holy Spirit, you know him for he lives with you and he will be in you. This was an astounding statement that Jesus made at this time. He said the Holy Spirit will be with you and he will be in you. This is remarkable because for most of human history up to this point, in time, or I should say all of human history history outside of the garden, God was not with us and he was not in us. In fact, can you imagine the time back in the day when God was at a location? He was in a burning bush or he was at the top of the mountain with Moses or uh, he was in a tent or in a tabernacle or he was in the uh, temple behind a curtain. And to get to God, Um, you couldn't really get that close to God. Uh, In fact, when you had the temple days, there was an outer court that some people could come into, but not not everybody. Then there was an inner court where even less people could come into, just the priests. And then there was the Holy of Holies, which only one person could come one day a year. And that's how you got to God. So there was a time for a, a large portion of our human history where God was not with people and we could not have him near us and have a personal interaction with God. And yet today, on, as a result of what Jesus did at the cross and an event that we're going to be studying for the next couple of weeks called Pentecost, due to that event, due to that movement of God, now the Holy Spirit is not just with us, but in us. And this is an incredible gift of God that we need to open every day and moment by moment and appreciate the fact that God is with us and God is in us. I remember um, earlier this year, while we still had school, our pattern at the church is that my wife and I will be working at the church until the kids get out of school. 
And Eli, uh, he comes out the back door of the elementary school and walks through our parking lot, and he comes in through the front door of the church, and then he usually comes through and finds us. Well, one time I was meeting with someone uh, in my office. I had my office door closed, and Eli, uh, you know, school ended. He came through the front door, came through the secretarial area, came into our offices, and just opens my door and barges right in. You know, and it was a private meeting, and yet it was great to see him. And I didn't hesitate to greet him and big, give him a big hug and then kind of escort him back out of, the, out of the room. But I was thinking about that with the temple and how we need God and we want God, but God isn't distant from us any longer. Because of the blood of Jesus, now the Bible says we have access to the Holy of Holies. We have access to the presence of God. And it's like Eli would represent you and me. He came barging into my office without any hesitation and without any restrictions because that was his dad. I mean, he knows he has full privilege with me and he didn't have to hesitate. He didn't have to be nervous. And that's how it is for you and for me. We now have access to the presence of God through the presence of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're gonna talk about today and in the weeks ahead. Hey everybody, if you haven't guessed yet, we're actually at my home here in Montrose and uh, we're standing up on a high platform as part of uh, a treehouse I built for my kids years ago. Uh, we're up here because I wanted to give you a big picture perspective as we start a new series called The Power of Pentecost. The power of this moment when God poured out his presence upon all of us through his Holy Spirit. And so I wanna, I wanna encourage you to take a big picture view first as we begin to break down Pentecost in the weeks ahead of what this festival is all about, what happened on Pentecost and why it's so important and why it's so powerful for you and for me. Because it really is the presence of God now with us and in us. So I want you to welcome the presence of God. That's how I see the Holy Spirit. It's the presence of God welcomed into our lives because the Holy Spirit wants to be welcomed into our lives. And I encourage you to do that as we grow in our understanding of what Pentecost is all about. So it starts with Leviticus chapter 23, verse 4. It says, These are the Lord's appointed festivals, the sacred assemblies you are to proclaim at their appointed times. So this word appointed, as you mentioned, as I mentioned it twice in this verse, in Hebrew is the word moedim. And it means Literally, God is putting these dates on his calendar to meet with you. And God says, I have special days set aside for us to get together. So honor these appointments. These are sacred assemblies, the gathering together of my people for a purpose. And these are called the seven uh, feasts of Israel. Now, there's actually eight appointed times. Uh, seven of them are feasts. One of them is a weekly gathering, and that's called the Sabbath. And the Sabbath represents a day of rest. Now, as Christians, we honor that day on Sundays, but Jews would honor that day on Saturday. Now, as we gather every week, what are we doing? Now, it means rest, and it is a foreshadowing of our eternal rest in heaven, and we are resting from sin, from darkness, from fallenness. We're resting from self-sufficiency of us trying to make life happen on our own without God. And so a lot of miracles that Jesus did, he did them on the Sabbath because he was demonstrating the rest for people. When he healed people from sicknesses and diseases, they were finding rest from their affliction. 
uh, when he preached, he was giving them rest for their souls. And, uh, and so Jesus was showing us that the day of rest is really a day of salvation. And there is an eternal salvation waiting for you and for me on that eternal moment uh, when we celebrate in heaven that sacred assembling. But the other seven I want to go through with you very quickly. And they're divided into a, a cluster of three, uh, kind of in the springtime. And then late spring, early summer, there's one. And then there's three more in the fall. Okay, so the first three, and you can look at these in more detail in your log notes, but I'm going to mention them and go through them very quickly. The first three is the Feast of Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and the Feast of First Fruits. And all three of these happen within a time frame of eight days. And so when we see Jesus um, having his last meal with his disciples, that was on the night of Passover. And I have here uh, this piece of bread. It doesn't look like bread. You can see it's really flat, but this is actually matzah bread and it is unleavened bread. And so the Passover, uh, they would have unleavened bread like this. And this is pretty cool because it, it really represents a lot of what Jesus uh, represents for us as the sacrificial lamb of God for our sins. You see it's baked, it's also striped. And if you look real closely, you can see it's pierced which are all pictures of Jesus. He was pierced for our transgressions. Uh, he wasn't baked, but he endured the wrath of God, the heat of God's judgment upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. And the unleavened part of this bread represents the sinlessness of Jesus. Because the Bible says, he who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might become righteous in him. Isn't that awesome? And so that's the, the Passover uh, and unleavened bread and first fruits have all been fulfilled in Jesus in those eight days when Jesus went to the cross and rose again as the first fruits of our resurrection. Hallelujah. So the fourth um, festival happens a little bit later and that's the one that's coming up for us now and that's called Pentecost or another name for it is the Feast of the Harvest. And it was the harvesting of souls, the harvesting of souls, because that is when the church was born and the presence of the Holy Spirit came to not only write God's word on our hearts, but also to empower us to be God's witnesses and to be filled uh, with a heart to harvest the souls and continue the ministry that Jesus began to do. So we're going to be looking at Pentecost more in the next couple of weeks. But that's in a nutshell where it lands on the calendar. So that's coming up this year, May 31st. That is the day that we're going to celebrate Pentecost. And then the last three feasts happen later in the fall, and they are all clustered together within a 22-day span. And those three are the Feast of Trumpets, which is also known as Rosh Hashanah, or the head of the year, and the Day of Atonement, which is a holy day uh, for Jews. It's a, a time of 10 days of mourning and fasting and repenting, getting ready for the day of judgment, the day of judgment. And then finally, the Feast of the Ingathering, which represents for us Christians the time when Jesus comes back to gather up his followers and the church is raptured into heaven forever. Now, the reason why I'm giving you this big picture is because let's just back up for a second. The first three we're fulfilled in Jesus, and it represents our salvation, the salvation of the church. 
Pentecost in the middle by itself uh, represents the empowerment of the church. Now we are empowered with the presence of God to continue to do what Jesus came to do. And then finally, the last three have not been fulfilled yet in Jesus until he comes again. When the trumpet call is made and Jesus returns, he will rescue us up into heaven with him to be with him forever. And there will be a day of judgment, that day of atonement. And there will be a a permanent gathering of of God's people to dwell with him. Uh, It's also known as the Feast of Tabernacles, where uh, it kind of pictured the Israelites living in tents in the desert under God's protection. But we will live permanently under God's protection in heaven. So there's a big ballpark uh, understanding of these feasts because together they make up God's eschatological, it's a big word, eschatological, the end times paradigm or plan of God. And that's very important that we as Christians know why we're alive at such a time as this and what our purpose is in the big picture of what God is doing. Hi family, Alan Kelly here. You guys were all missing you so much from church and we just wanted to let you know how much we miss you and care for you and can't wait to get back together. And today, Hal's gonna bring us our scripture memory verse. It's found in Isaiah 46.10. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. Amen. Isaiah 46.10, God tells us, my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. You know, for believers, there's no such thing called blind faith. We don't just blindly believe in God. Faith doesn't come just from someone just jumping off a cliff and believing in something, right? For believers, faith comes from hearing the word of God, from knowing what God's word is. And as we hear it, as we believe it, we have faith. And so our faith is strong because our faith is in God and in his word. You know, sometimes our world can seem out of control, like now, but God is still in control. Sometimes our world can feel like it's in chaos, but God's not in chaos. God's purposes are marching forward and he sees things from the end and the beginning and all in between. He knows what he's doing and we are a part of that story. And uh, today, as we've talked about the big picture, I just wanna remind you that these are exciting times to be alive. We are the church and we are filled with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is in us. He's with us. He has empowered us to do everything that Jesus was doing when he was here. This is the time of history. What a great time to be alive. We have a message of hope and a message of salvation for this world. But first, we need to be saved. If you're watching this video and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, I just encourage you today to make him the Lord of your life. This is what Jesus said about himself. He said this in John 14, 6. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. And and this is another passage, very famous, that Jesus was explaining his mission. He says, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. For whoever believes in the Son 
uh, is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in the Son stands condemned already because he has not believed in God's one and only Son. And, and, and Jesus says that God didn't send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That's Jesus's mission. And he came, as I mentioned to you, and fulfilled the Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and the Feast of first fruits by rising from the dead and verifying and proving to the world he is the Son of God. His teachings are true. His word is true. And, it is, and we can believe in it and trust in it. And we can believe in him and trust in him. So today, I invite you to make Jesus the Lord of your life, to be saved, to be redeemed out of darkness, redeemed out of sin, and let the blood of Jesus be your covering and protect you and give you new life and life everlasting. And if that's in your heart, I want to have you pray this prayer with me. Just say this in your heart or say this out loud with me as we give our hearts to Jesus. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the Son of God and that you came to rescue us and save us and give us your life. Today, Lord, we accept you. We receive you. We invite you in to our lives to be Lord and Savior. We need you. Thank you for coming to us and dying on a cross and, and shedding your blood so that we could be atoned for. We could be forgiven. We could be healed. We could be made alive. Today, Jesus, we give our hearts to you. I give my heart to you. And I declare with my mouth that you are Lord and you are my Savior. Thank you for loving me and rescuing me today. I pray this in your name, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Hey, welcome to the family. I'm clapping right now for you because all of heaven is celebrating. For those of you who just made Jesus the Lord of your life, welcome to the family. And before I conclude this message, I want to remind everybody, especially those who just made that decision, that now we have a mission. We are alive for such a time as this. There, in my opinion, there's no other greater time in history that I would rather be alive in than this time of history where we are at the, the last days doing what Jesus did to finish the job to preach the gospel to all the world that all would have an opportunity to get right and be forgiven. So our mission now, we are filled with the Holy Spirit to do the work of Jesus to those around us. I want to encourage you to just welcome the presence of the Holy Spirit into your life this week. Try to not let the current of this world drift you too far away. Keep being intentional and aware that we need to Draw near to God, and the Bible says He will draw near to us. This world is filled with distractions, with problems, with issues, with all kinds of things that we could be worried about, fearful about, busy with. But we need the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I pray the Holy Spirit to fill you today, right now, as this message concludes, that you would feel the love, the warmth, the closeness, the presence, the power of the Holy Spirit just being stirred into your heart right now, filling your home, filling your, your place where you are at right now with His peace, His love, and His joy. In Jesus' name. Hey, before we go, if you're fairly new to our church, I would love to meet you just for a few minutes today. 
would you click on the link below and join me for one of these uh, video conferences briefly, just so I can say hi, see how you're doing, get to know you a little bit. I'd love to meet you for just a few minutes. My wife and I are standing by to, to say hi and to meet those of you who want to meet us. We'd love to meet with you and say hi to you. Also, Ryan's coming with our children's ministry in just a minute. But before we do that, let me bless you guys. Uh, and may the shalom of God and the peace of God be upon you and your household. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace, his shalom. Nothing missing, nothing broken in his name. Amen. I love you guys. God bless you. Hang in there, Lamb of God family. Let's continue to be filled with the Holy Spirit and, and rely on him for all things. Amen.